take a deep breath Take the higher road That's what they always say As if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself Cause life ain't just a dream You make your own So kick and scream The people will like With a never ending force You never had the chance So what you waiting for The day has come my friend Cause this is war mandates are back at the U.S. Air Force and Army bases as of December 2nd. All fully vaccinated DOD workers must wear masks again due to the high transmission rate on Thanksgiving. Insane. That fully vaccinated, still transmitting it, and now they want to put masks back on them, thinking that that's going to stop it. Yet, when Fauci was deposed on November 23rd by the Missouri Attorney General for seven hours, he could not cite one scientific study he relied on to impose these draconian lockdown face mask measures. Instead, he was emulating China and praising them for their lockdown. Also, the mandatory vaccines were rescinded, hallelujah, December 6th and the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act of Congress. (sighs) I mean, it's a lot, guys. It's so much. And here to join me is Tammy Clark, who is an industrial hygienist who works in the fields of occupational and environmental health and safety, otherwise known as OSHA. She is the OG whistleblower who not only blew the whistle on OSHA for the revisionism, enforcing mandates that violated their own standards, she also exposed the government's mishandling of the pandemic and their weaponization of regulatory agencies. Today, we're gonna hear from Tammy about the medical, scientific, and the legal facts surrounding these mandates. And on the backside, after break, we'll discuss the government's abuse of power and what us as citizens can do moving forward. This is Nurses Out Loud, and I'm your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley. Whistleblower, and now I'm gonna welcome (laughs) my OG whistleblower, Tammy (laughs) Clark, to the show. Hey, everyone. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me, Jody. Yes, yes. All right. So let's get started. <laughs> There's so much to uncover. There's a lot in this one. A lot. It's yeah. loaded. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much information and the people have not been getting any of the accurate information because the mainstream media has been colluding with the government on this whole thing. That's right. So how do people know unless... People like me stand up and blow the whistle. That's right. Yeah. And like you. Yeah. I, I, I said this in the beginning that 
the this narrative is going to be changed by whistleblowers. And, yes. and we're seeing more and more come out. Last yes. week I did a show with the air marshal. How mm-hmm. They took the air marshals out of the skies and brought them down to the border for humanitarian efforts to pass out freaking water. Right. Right. <laughs> I know. But it's true. The whistleblowers are bringing the truth and accurate information to the forefront. And because of social media, uh, the government can't stop it and contain it. No matter how much they try to censor us, it's still getting out. So shows like yours are incredibly important. Yes, yes. And I tell uh, Malcolm from America Out Loud, thank you so much for giving us nurses a voice. Guys, we are on, this is a new show and we are on Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and with an encore at 10 p.m. So please uh, join in and, and listen to what these nurses, you know, people are always asking, where are the nurses? Well, we've been here, but due to censorship, you know, a lot of us are starting to find each other. And um, and I'm just very excited about this program. So, Tammy, tell tell us about your role in stopping the mass mandates and maybe how America would have looked much different if you did not come out in April 2020 and blow the whistle against OSHA. Yes. So my background in occupational and environmental health and safety um, is one that has led me to managing uh, PPE and respiratory protection programs for lots of different companies in the private industry. So I am a government trained expert. I'm an OSHA uh, PPE respiratory protection expert. And uh, so I know from managing uh, pandemics from leading through disease and infectious disease outbreaks with hospital systems and government agencies, cities, <clears throat> excuse me, municipalities. Um, those in my career field are the ones on the forefront leading and directing, helping to manage PPE and control measures uh, to prevent the spread and uh, to keep people healthy and safe. That's our job and that's our role. So I knew when they started talking about putting everybody in facial coverings, We're not talking about PPE here, face masks, surgical masks, homemade cloth masks, grandma's curtains, a t-shirt, whatever it is. That is not regulated. It's not tested for efficacy. We have no idea what it will stop, what it will not stop. And so you cannot ever take a one size fits all approach uh, to try to control or, or mitigate disease outbreak and spread and things like that. So when I started hearing the government start pushing face masks, like surgical masks and homemade face masks as a control measure, like I I freaked out. I thought, what in the world is going on here? Because as a government trained PPE expert, I know darn well that that is not only unhealthy and dangerous for people, but it is illegal according to OSHA's own PPE and respiratory protection standards. You cannot just cover somebody's mouth and nose, restrict their normal natural breath, restrict their gaseous exchanges, and then go tell them to go about their work, or in the case of children, their play. There was no supervision. There was no work rest cycles. We were not ensuring that that PPE was rated to protect against that particular pathogen. None of this was in play. And so that's when I stood up. It was really the children when they started talking the end of the summer. I mean, I started doing videos making videos to just educate people like, do not comply with this. This is so dangerous. Do not do this. Um, But then when they, when they started talking about putting children in face masks to go back to school, that's when I really lost my, you know what, because I knew how unhealthy and dangerous that was for our children. And so I just had to 
go viral with this. I had to get this out. And I started making videos and I met my colleague, Kristen Megan Kelly at that point, who is my military counterpart. And when the two of us joined forces, we became known as the dynamic duo, but that's really what brought this out to the forefront because we started getting contacted once our videos went viral, educating people on these facts. We started getting calls from uh, legislators around the country Mm -hmm. uh, wanting us to come and testify in special Senate committee hearings to help them to pass legislation that would protect the citizens in their state from any sort of mandated masks or vaccines or any sort of compulsory measure that the government might try to do to the citizens that would violate their own personal health choices, their own personal individual liberties and medical freedom choices for themselves and their families. So we became really well known at that point and just started traveling the country and and sharing this information as the subject matter experts, as court approved subject matter experts on these issues. So we worked with a lot of different legislative bodies. And then of course, attorneys started reaching out to us because there was you know, there started to be lawsuits at this time, people suing their employers, schools, um, government agencies, local municipalities. And so we really became uh, not just whistleblowers, but um, the expert witnesses in a lot of these cases as well, which ultimately led us to testify in the Supreme Court a few months ago um, in the uh, National Federation of Independent Businesses against the Biden administration and OSHA for attempting to implement permanent COVID-19 standards on the entire United States, mm-hmm. all businesses, which would mean all employees. And we stopped that with our testimony. So it's been a whirlwind, but uh, we have succeeded in getting this information out there. So we just ask people, take this information, take the videos and share, 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 Right. because we are very censored. And this, this is factual information for me. This is not political. This is my career mm-hmm. field. This is my training. This is my expertise. And I am government trained. So who better to blow the whistle on the government than a government trained expert? Right. 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 Absolutely. So I think we, we should stress the importance. Let's just say you did not testify mm-hmm. for the Supreme Court or submit your uh, opinion, your expert testimony. Mm-hmm. What would our society look at look like today? If that had gone through, what would we have been facing today? Oh my gosh. I don't think people have any idea. Okay. So put yourself back in 2020 in the lockdowns. I'm from Michigan. In Michigan, we could not even go outside of our homes because the police would pull you over. They would demand to see your papers. And if you did not have papers that said you could legally be on the road, like we're in China or something, then you would get a thousand dollar fine. I happened to own a couple of properties. I wasn't even allowed to travel between my own two properties. I mean, it was draconian. It was like we were in a communist country lockdown. It's no different than what's happening in China right now. So think about what is happening in China. Put yourself back in 2020. That is exactly what would be happening today because what the Biden administration attempted to do was weaponize that regulatory agency of OSHA to go implement their agenda which meant permanent testing, permanent quarantine, permanent face masks, permanent uh, vaccines on every single business in the United States, which would affect every single employee. You would all be dealing with that today had we not stopped that at the Supreme Court. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people don't realize what, you know, because for a lot of Americans, you know, we sit back and, and think, oh, well, this isn't going to happen. You know, it'll get better. It'll get better. And it, it, it only gets better when people speak mm-hmm. up, 
Right. Right. And, and it doesn't take money, you know, it doesn't take money. No. And, but it's important that when you have a voice that you, that you use it, when you know something is wrong, it's called moral courage. And I, and I want everybody to look that up moral courage. And that means doing what's right, even when nobody's looking. Right, right. And the courage component comes in because um, like, you know, when I reached out to you and you stood up and blew the whistle and uh, my colleague and I, who had already been doing this for a year, we saw what you did and we were so proud of you that we reached out because we knew what you were about to go through, Mm -hmm. but you didn't. Because right. we had been through it. But when we blew the whistle, it was one of those things that righteous anger was just driving me because this was so wrong. And I knew if we don't stop this, people are going to be killed by these mandates. This is going to cause incredible harm. And so come what may, I have to stand up and speak the truth. And that's what we all need to do in our own spheres as we're able to. So I call myself an accidental activist, right? Right. I was just busy living my life, running my business. I own a consulting business. Um, I work with lots of different businesses and different industries, keeping people healthy and safe on the job and ensuring that the businesses are compliant with government regulations. So I was raising my family and just enjoying a good life. And all of a sudden, the government decided to stick their nose in my business and to attempt to become the expert in my my career field, which they're not, Mm -hmm. right? So I knew I had to speak up. I knew I have a sense of moral obligation. People will get hurt. There will be great harm come from this if we don't stop this. That's why the government has regulations and standards in place to prevent the very thing that they're now trying to do. And because I had that information, you know, with knowledge comes great responsibility. I had the knowledge and I I had an obligation. I felt I had a civic responsibility to do something about that because I was in a unique position. I own my own company. So nobody could tell me I can't rock the boat and I can't say these things. And so if people across this country will just stand up and do the right thing, come what may we will stop all of this. You know, I do want to, I want to talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. You, you just said you had your own company, so nobody could tell you what to do, but what you did suffer was lost wages because you took on this fight. So I, I just want people, you know, when they hear that, well, she had her own business. She didn't have to, you know, she didn't have to answer for anyone. That's no different than somebody that's getting a paycheck every week because she lost her paycheck, right? She right. she lost her paycheck so that she can go out and volunteer and fight this and travel around the country and, and speak. So, so guys, even if you have a paycheck, I had a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I was willing to give up my paycheck. And, you know, my situation is probably not much different than anybody else's. I mean, I'm a single mom. I, I have my own bills. And, and, and so, yeah, you know, it's courage and, and it's important, but, you know, Tammy, when, when people say, well, it's a mask, it's just a mask, put it on your face. I remember you coming out and and saying, no, it can Mm -hmm. create more harm than good. And so I started really following the science and looking at evidence-based science and even talking to my dentist 
who said that she was seeing an immense increase in TMJ, uh, people that were having issues from stress, you know, on their jaw, gum problems. Um, my friend who's a dermatologist, skin problems. That perioral dermatitis, the bacterial staph and all of that. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and we're doing it when it does nothing. Right. And so when people would say, just put it on Jody, just do it so we can get through this. I was adamant, like, no, I am an educated nurse. I hold my master's degree for Christ's sakes. I know what evidence-based practice is and the government is making up the science. And they're just making it up. And Fauci mm -hmm. came out and yes. did it. Burks come out yes. in her book. Yes, Dr. Burks released a book. She wrote a book and admitted in her book what I've been saying all along. There is no science. Show me the science. I've been challenging them. I We wrote letters. My colleagues and I, a few of us, got together and wrote letters to the CDC, the World Health Organization, the White House, Biden, OSHA, FDA. Show us the science show us. And we're challenging them because we have the science that all the OSHA standards are based on going back to the 1970s, right? That's what these standards were based on in the first place. So we knew darn well, they didn't have any science or evidence that showed face masks worked. And so we were saying this and finally Dr. Burks writes a book and comes right out and admits that none of the mandates that they put in place on all of us the masks or any of it, the six foot distancing rule, none of it was based in science, guys. She admitted it was totally made up. They pulled those numbers out of thin air. They put these mandates in place based on fear. It was a propaganda uh, fear to get you to do what she said, something, which is totally criminal and illegal because in our career fields, in our profession, we cannot implement any PPE or control measures unless there is a relative risk reduction rating of 90% or greater. I saw that. <laughs> She's teasing us with Fauci's a liar. Fauci's a fraud. And he is. We've been saying this. And now we know. They've come right out and admitted it. And even in Fauci's deposition, for seven hours, the guy could not claim or cite one study. He could not tell anybody, the attorney general of the state of Missouri, where he got the science, the data, the information to base all these draconian mandates on us. Oh, he was just going along with China because he's in love with China, right? And there's a whole lot more information down that rabbit trail, which we won't get into today. But, but our whole point is, this was never just about a mask. And I was saying that from day one, as I traveled and I spoke that these are mandates that are intended to control because it is not about your health and safety. If this was about your health and safety, I would be the very first one telling you, you need to do this because I am a health and safety professional, highly credentialed, court approved subject matter expert in the field. And so when I saw this and I knew it was not only dangerous, but it was illegal, I started telling people there's something very nefarious going on here. Do not comply with this, please, for your health, for your children's health, do not comply, stand up and push back. Because if you start complying with this, that I could tell was very nefarious in its intent, and it was designed to get you to just control, you know, be controlled, mm -hmm. go along with, I was predicting what's coming next is a mandated vaccine. And I was telling people back in 2020 and early 2021, you cannot comply with something that is dangerous and illegal. 
And if you do, you're going to set yourself up for the next thing that comes because I could see the writing on the wall. Well, and what happened in 2021, right? You either jab up or you lose your job. Yeah. No shot. As heroes, no now we're yep. dispensable. That's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. And because people did comply, they, they complied. They went right along because it was like you said, oh, it's just a mask. What are you making such a big deal about this for? Well, because it's not just about a mask. That was very clear to health and safety professionals and industrial hygienists who know we never, ever manage pandemic responses or disease outbreaks in this manner. And we certainly don't put you in a cloth mask or a surgical mask to prevent the spread of an aerosolized infectious disease. Even an N95 won't stop that, guys. And you know, Jody, because you're a nurse, right. when you're in an infectious disease ward, you're wearing a fully enclosed papper or capper, right? With your own source of breathing air, because that's the only thing that's rated to protect against a very tiny micron sized virus that's in the air. But they didn't do that. They right. instead right. said that they, um, th- to reuse our mask. Yes. Which is and also illegal. Like- paper bag. Oh my gosh. And I'm like. Guys, you can't do that. This is, this is, <laughs> we're being idiots doing this. Right. Don't you think it's even better not to have anything than to put something dirty that you reused exactly hundreds of times throughout a shift and have it's gotten wet, but exactly. and, and you're touching it. Like we knew as nurses, when we went into an isolation room, if we touched that mask one time, it was considered contaminated, contaminated and we had to um, uh, take it off properly and don it, you know, again, donning and doffing. And it's why you sometimes will help the surgical nurse will help the doctors. They don't touch it. Somebody will help them don and doff. Right. And you guys have to don and doff properly. And who teaches you how to do that? industrial hygienist yes (laughs) that's why you knew well and you brought that up so brought up about um helping the surgeon Mm -hmm. again guys the environment in an operating room is completely different than the ambient air in the hallway or in a patient's yes it's it's a very carefully controlled micro environment based on what's called ashray engineering standards that osha enforces for sterile reasons, for sanitation reasons. So the, you know, Jody, the temperature is reduced, the relative humidity is reduced and the air cycle exchanges are increased. So it's colder, it feels windy, right? But those are all engineering controls for the containment or the sterilization of the operating room for infection control. Right. These are control measures that, and we have great engineering control measures to control the spread of infectious disease. So that's all we would have ever needed to have done is, is put maybe a a system in a home or a building. Uh, We have, we don't need to slap face masks on people to control diseases. We've never done that before Mm -hmm. because we have very good proven, successful, efficient engineering control systems that OSHA already uh, they already implement this and enforce this in hospitals mm-hmm. and in surgical centers. So what are we doing? Yeah. Right. So the one thing that we could have done, everybody, is to increase the ventilation and circulation. And mm-hmm. that means like opening up a window yes. when you can. Yes. Putting a fan on in the room that yes. circulates the air. Yeah, right? that's exactly right. So when they locked us all down and told us we all had to stay together, closely together, Oh, by the way, it was cold out. So all the the windows are closed. We're all together. That is the absolute worst thing you can do 
when there's a disease outbreak. And in Michigan, I live in Michigan, we have lots of beaches, they close the public beaches. And I was saying, no, we all need to get out in the fresh air. People should be out walking out on the beaches, you know, crack your windows. But we actually increased the spread by doing exactly the opposite of what we know, what science tells us we need to do. And engineering controls are the number one thing with dilution and destruction technologies and increased ventilation. So yeah. we would have needed to have done and the government knew it. And they knew they it. They knew it. And as medical professionals, nurses and doctors, we know that stress kills. Stress is a silent killer. And all the government did was increase stress. Mm -hmm. It was a 24-7 death toll ticker. It was, you're going to lose your job. It was, you're going to kill grandma and not know it. So put a mask on. They were talking about asymptomatic transmission. They were talking about COVID being um, droplet instead of aerosolized. All of these things that they had done, they knew. Yes, they did. And how, how do I know they knew? Because they trained me. Jody was trained by people like me. Government trained professionals knew that what was going on and the government's response, we knew that they knew because they've trained us to do exactly the opposite in a pandemic or in situations of infectious disease outbreak. Yeah. And we're the ones who manage and lead through a traditional multidisciplinary approach. We work with the virologists who determine what is it that we're dealing with. And then the epidemiologists that plot and predict, how do we think it's going to move? What are the vectors? Then those in my career field come in and we determine what PPE or, you know, control measures do we need to use based on the information that we've been given. And then doctors and nurses come in and you guys practice medicine and you heal your patients who have been exposed. But what did we do with this pandemic? We relied on two people, mm -hmm. doctors Fauci and Burks, neither of whom are credentialed. In, the, in this field to lead pandemic response. That's right. Literally a talking head yep. that has been talking for 40 years, not elected. I have no idea why Trump kept that man around. Um, to me, it was horrific. I mean, he, he is just an evil person. I, I feel that with all of his intentions. I mean, you know, you, he knew he knew uh, to tell somebody that there's no early treatment, that you can have a deadly, a potential deadly disease called COVID-19, but wait, let the virus replicate for days. And if you start to have shortness of breath, then come into the hospital and we will treat you with another experimental medication called remdesivir. And we're going to tell the government or tell the hospitals that if they use just this treatment, they will get a 20% bonus payout by CMS. So guys, we have My Free Doctor. My Free Doctor has been helping to provide early treatment for people for a couple of years. And I suggest everybody reach out to myfreedoctor.com, have a discussion with the physician or the PA or an MP, and find out if early treatment is something that's that would be good for you to have in your cabinet. It's myfreedoctor.com. We will be right back. And when we come back, we will discuss the fourth branch of the government, yeah. and that is the regulatory agency capture. We'll be right back. It's time in this city. 
Hello, I'm Ben Marble MB, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the povidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories. Six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Thank you for joining Nurses Out Loud, guys. I'm so excited to be on the program with you today and be able to speak uncensored. Uh, again, you can hear us Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on all various platforms. And you can even download the America Out Loud Talk radio app and um, hear us 24-7. So, Tammy, we mentioned earlier that you became an accidental activist. Can you tell us what, you know, blowing the whistle on the on OSHA and the mandates led you to do? Yeah, so um, it didn't take long. It was only a few months into this after, you know, blowing the whistle and standing up uh, that in the state of Michigan, a grassroots organization was formed out of a giant Facebook group. Uh, there was a huge Facebook group that had started called Michiganders Against Excessive Quarantine. Within just a few days of that group forming, uh, there were over 400,000 members. Wow. That many people in the state of Michigan. I mean, there were members outside of Michigan, but mainly Michiganders who were so upset at these excessive lockdowns and quarantine measures uh, that, you know, people were, were forming together like-minded people and starting to be very vocal. So this um, Facebook group decided some of the leaders of the Facebook group decided we need to turn this into an actual organization and we need to do something with this energy and harness the energy of the people. So the group Stand Up Michigan was formed and they were looking for an executive director. They are just, you know, a couple of people running a Facebook group and we need somebody who knows business and somebody who knows how to run organizations. So I happened to be listening. I was following it and listening to it like so many other Michiganders. And they put out the call for an executive director. And I knew, I mean, my heart started beating and you know, the voice inside of you when it's not your own head and it's God. I mean, I know the difference oh, between yeah. the Amen. two. And so I knew the Lord was really impressing upon me to take that position. And at the time I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm juggling a business and a family and 
okay, but I just obeyed and I reached out, got the job and went to work actually building an organization out of a just giant social media group. So now today, the organization I'm the vice president today uh, and the Stand Up Michigan grassroots group is the largest and most influential uh, grassroots organization in Michigan. And we've become very nationally influential as well. Um, and we are now working with a lot of kind of the who's who on the national levels on a weekly call, uh, working with national leaders. In fact, while I'm out here in Arizona with you, I'm going to meet with some of the leaders of Freedom Works that we're connected with and uh, just doing a lot behind the scenes on the national level, working with Congress leaders. And so that's how I became an accidental activist. I stood up and I thought we as average everyday citizens have got to get involved in our local government, in our state government. And that's how we lost it. And that's how we got here in the first place, because typically conservatives are busy running their job, running their businesses, working their jobs, raising their families, going to church, you know, being involved in the PTA club at school. And we're not typically real involved in politics. We show up and we vote every four years and we think that should be good enough and it should be good enough, but it's not because the progressive liberal agenda that has taken over America, it's really socialist and communist and it's, um, you know, at its core, they have been hard at work for decades infiltrating our county commissions, our city uh, and township boards, our school boards, even our library boards. Look at the sick books that we're mm -hmm. seeing now come out of children's schools. It's been a very intentional um, implantation and takeover at the local government levels. And that's how little by little over decades we've gotten to where we're at. So that's how the activism part came in for me that I thought I can never again go back to sleep and not be and not be uninvolved. None of us can afford that anymore. We all have to get involved and we have to stay involved if we are going to take this back and we're going to hold it moving forward. Yeah, I, I hear you because I, I was the kind of the same. I mean, I mm -hmm. thought, you know what? I voted. Mm -hmm. I'm a good citizen. I'm raising good children who are, you know, awesome members of society. And there's my job and I'm done. Right. You know, and what I learned when through us talking, when we brought up Obama, right, mm -hmm. here's this guy, I'm from Chicago, and mm -hmm. he comes out and he's running for president. And I'm like, who is this dude? Well, mm -hmm. they said he was what a community, a community organizer. Okay. And what exactly is that? Yeah, it's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They have been hard at work not organizing their community as far as, you know, doing good things for the boys and girls clubs. Oh, no, it's much more than that. What they have been very, very intentionally doing is identifying people that they can plant and infiltrate in county commission boards, city council boards, township boards, school boards, etc. And that's how if you look at a lot of communities that maybe are more rural or conservative in their makeup, the demographic, mm -hmm. when you look at the local county governance and the, the government, the boards and things like that of that area, the, the local government does not in any way, shape or form reflect the constituents, the demographic of that county. That county may vote very, very red, very conservative, but you have these wacko, progressive, crazy people sitting on those government boards and leadership boards. And that's how that's community organizing to the left. And they've been very intentional, organized and strategizing at doing this for decades, decades. And you have like, what I'm realizing is Republicans, like they just have a hard time working together. Oh I, I yes. think it's, I think it's like this, 
you know, and you and I both can say, you know, as whistleblowers, you know, I even had somebody say, oh, are you running for office now? Because that's what whistleblowers yeah. do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, first of all, I hope God doesn't lay on my heart to do that because <laughs> right. I really don't want to be political, but I have to be political. Yes. Now I have people reaching out to me and wanting to work with me on legislation and, and all these other things that are happening. And I understand like now I felt like, man, I've just been so asleep. Yeah. Knowing that there's evil out there. Right. I knew it, but it didn't affect me in my bubble. Right. It didn't affect most Americans. And now that the evil has just been unleashed. Right. It, we're realizing it's in every single facet of our society. Mm-hmm. And they have done this very intentionally. Mm-hmm. So I know I've talked to you several times about the local, the county and, and it's still kind of hard for me to wrap my head around mm-hmm. when I, I, rem, you know, I, I'm going to admit this. It's, it's embarrassing to admit because I am a woman in my forties and I have my master's degree. Well, how come I did not know that if we organize on a local county level, we don't really have to follow what the governor tells us. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, explain that for us. Yeah. We've had some fun conversations about this. So um, getting involved with this state uh, grassroots organization in the state of Michigan, what we did was we started creating local county chapters. And then we started to teach the people in the chapters how to be the solution in their own communities. And what does that mean? What does that look like? So we began getting very organized and very strategic and giving them the tools and the resources, the how-to, right? So precinct delegates. Precinct delegates are a very, very important position, but they're like the lowest elected position, but they're very important because they determine who actually goes on the ballot, right? So it's like, hello. The ballot uh, for right. governor. Yes, secretary attorney. of state, attorney general, things like that yeah. for the party. So precinct delegates also determine who is going to be on the executive board or the the county GOP board, right? The leadership board. So it's a very important position. So we started recruiting people and teaching them about being a precinct delegate. And so what we've seen, so it's just starting right there, getting people involved to run for school boards, teaching them what does that look like? What do you need to do? It's not that big of a deal, but people are intimidated by running for some of these local positions because they feel like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I'm not qualified. Well, if you're a citizen, you're a registered voter, you're qualified. Yep. What do you think the left does? They throw crazies like AOC out there. Hello. If people like that can get elected, right? Uh, you're more than qualified if you're a concerned citizen. So we just got to work teaching people how to roll up their sleeves, start focusing on their counties. What are the issues in your counties? Get on those county commissions, get on those school boards, become a precinct delegate. And we have been seeing major wins across our state, even though we lost the governor, secretary of state, and attorney general. And we know just like here in Arizona, there was so much fraud and corruption. It's been there for so many decades that it's going to be hard to undo that now. Um, But, you know, that aside, we are flipping county by county by county across the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing major wins. And so what's happening now is as the county commissions become very, very much controlled by true conservative grassroots people and the school boards and township city councils, they can begin to enact county declarations that that establish that county as a constitutional county. 
no mandates will be enforced in this county. So it doesn't matter what happens in Lansing. Let Governor Whitmer rage. Let her do her thing. Our counties are strategizing and they're basically setting themselves up to be autonomous zones. And that protects the businesses, the schools, the children, and the citizens in that particular county. But it doesn't matter what happens in Lansing or in D.C., not here, not in this county. So the people in those counties are perfectly protected because the local governments have that much power. It's pretty awesome. It's awesome. Yes. And and I had no idea that that was the case. And same with, you know, you brought up with Arizona with the Cary Lake. I mean, we, we had our secretary of state overseeing her own election. I mean, she's talk about a conflict of interest. Wow. I I mean that integrity wise, if that was me and I was running, I absolutely would step down. I would never want anybody to question it. Of course. Of course, you would recuse yourself because that's the ethical thing to do. Right. Right. Yeah. But no, she didn't do that. And and every single issue that we had um, was just swept under the rug, I guess. Well, they do not care about the rule of law. They mm-hmm. do not care about that at all. They do not have ethics and integrity. All they care about is winning. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to recognize that they have changed the game and conservatives have got to be willing to play the new game. That doesn't mean we do things unethically. It means we've got to engage. We've got to get out there with early absentee, you know, applications. Well, you know, for example, while we were so busy with our primaries, the Republican primaries in Michigan, the left was out there mailing out absentee ballots and they were driving around in vans to all the college campuses, helping them fill out their absentee ballots. They were getting the, they were already voting. Yeah. Well, we were just worried about our primary. Who's going to be in our primary? Yeah. So I'm sorry, but we have got to realize that we've been played and the game has changed. Mm-hmm. And if we cannot get involved in this new game and figure out how to play it and win and beat them at it, we're never going to have another. We're never going to win another election again. It's just the facts. It is. And and we we also talked about the fourth branch of government. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what the government has done to these regulatory agencies. Right. Um, would they call it regulatory capture? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So much like the medical profession, the medical industry that has been hijacked by these illegal, very dangerous mandates. Um, how did they do that though? How did they do that? Through CMS, through a regulatory agency, right? Mm-hmm. So what's happened is the Biden administration has been very busy trying to get these regulatory agencies like OSHA, CMS, EPA to go do their dirty work, to do their bidding. They're trying to weaponize the agencies to carry out their agenda. So it's a total violation of statutory authority on behalf of the executive branch, because the executive branch does not have the authority to go tell a regulatory agency what to do. But that's exactly what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. And so when the court cases came up in the Supreme Court, and thank God we were able to submit our testimony um, on the merits of that case that no, the executive branch does not have the authority, number one, to go tell OSHA what to do. That's a total violation of authority. We we're able to prove that. These regulatory agencies get their authority expressly from Congress. That's it. And so did Congress go authorize OSHA to do what they were attempting to do? No, they did not. So we then were able to also point out that OSHA is guilty of violating their own authority. They do not have the authority to go implement sweeping COVID-19 mandates on the entire nation. Based on what? What is it? First of all, what is it based on? 
right? We've never had an infectious disease mandate because we have great infectious disease control measures, as Jody and I discussed previously in the hospitals, things like that, we already know. So we don't need something like this. Second of all, they were totally outside of their lane by attempting to implement vaccines on people, which, you know, they don't have the authority to play in the vaccine world. That belongs to the FDA and HHS, which are two other regulatory agencies. So Again, you know, what happened just a few weeks after that case, we won that case, the EPA case, the West Virginia lawsuit against the Biden administration and the EPA came up in the Supreme Court. And what the Biden administration attempted to do was weaponize another regulatory agency, the EPA, to go implement sweeping carbon emission standards. You know, their new thing is climate change. Everything's all about climate change Mm -hmm. now. It's the next thing coming. Buckle up. But they attempted to use the EPA to put permanent carbon emission standards on all businesses in the United States. But because we had just won, we had that major win with OSHA, Mm -hmm. it set case precedent. So when the uh, EPA case came up, it was quickly shut down because it was following the exact same uh, the exact same line of reasoning and order. And the merits of that case were very similar to the OSHA case. So it was the precedent had already been set and we were able to, to defeat it. So tell us what that would have looked like. What would admit, what would businesses have to undergo right now if that did not get um, rescinded? So basically it doesn't matter what your business is. You own a little nail, nail salon or a grocery store or a restaurant. You would have had to prove your carbon footprint. You would have had to prove uh, emissions standards on your HVAC systems, your furnace, things like that. And people do not have the money to, you know, be controlling their emissions or proving their carbon footprint, all of this. We already have good, you know, standards in place for things like that, but this would have required every business owner to go above and beyond and prove their carbon footprint. And then if they were violating what, you know, the EPA would say you were violating, then you would have to put all these control measures in place, upgrade your systems. And then you'd have to now start tracking all of this. It would have put so many businesses out of business permanently. Yeah. The, what America is known for. Right. Right. The land of opportunity. If you work hard, you're, you know, you can get somewhere in this world or in this country. Yeah. No. I mean, they nope. shut down businesses and that there was no public health policy to do so. Right. That two weeks to slow the spread. One month it became. Two years, you right. know, the, not educating our children. All of that, guys, was made up pseudoscience. Yep. Now, now they they already hit. You know, um, they already gave those small business owners a gut check mm-hmm. and said okay, you know, you're probably not going to survive this. Lots of people didn't qualify for their COVID money Mm -hmm. or whatever um, that they were trying to give out. They didn't qualify for it. And families lost their businesses. Now on top of it, they were literally trying to decimate Mm -hmm. the, the small business owner and let Amazon and Walmart and all these people make more money than they were already making. Like we would, guys, this is what's happening in this country and we need to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. And I understand it's really hard because people ask me all the time, what do you follow? 
What, where are you getting your, your news sources from? And it's from, you know, a variety of different sources. And the, and the more you start to, to look at it, you know, and, and see this information, then you're led somewhere else. We have to educate ourselves. Like, you know, in InfoWars, mm -hmm. Alex Jones, like that dude's been right. Yeah. Mike <laughs> Adams, natural news and all of this stuff, you know, the Epic Times, the blaze, all of these sources. Yeah. These people have been right on. They've been saying this stuff. Mm -hmm. They've been called conspiracy theorists. And now they've been proven to be nothing but conspiracy realists because mm -hmm. all their wacko conspiracy theories have come true. Right. A lot right. of people owe them apologies, by the way. But it is what it is. And what you're talking about, Jody, is fascism. That is the very definition of fascism. When the government colludes contractually with big pharmacy companies, with global health agencies to try to implement a one-size-fits-all global health response where we lose our individual sovereignty and our ability to respond as an individual nation or as individual citizens in the event of a, quote, emergency, when big tech, the banking institutions, and the big corporations are all colluding on the same thing like this, that's fascism. So people all the time, you know, they call me, you're a racist, you're a fascist, you're this and that. They literally call me a fascist when I'm fighting fascism. They don't even know what fascism is. And the scary thing is we are at the point in America that we have become fascist. We've become a fascist nation. And that's the definition when you've got the government and all of these other agencies colluding and contractually, we have, you know, we have the receipts contractually, they are colluding with global agencies right. and big pharma, big tech, the media, you know, it, that's the definition of fascism, guys. And it's really scary because the only, the only way fascism has ever been defeated throughout history has been through civil war. That's what scares me. Because how we are talking about the biggest superpowers, the most money, the most power, the most control, they've gotten to a place where, you know, they have all the power, all the control, all the money. How do you win against that? Well, the only solution right now for us here in America is to wake up, to recognize what has happened, how it has happened, and to start getting involved in our local county community governments and start being the solution in your own counties. We are watching it, everything that we have built, that we have built the structure and we've organized the people and taught them how to do this at the county levels. They are taking back county after county after county in Michigan. And we helped Virginia to do the same thing. You remember seeing the parents in Loudoun County, Virginia, yes. holding up their stand up Virginia signs. That was our brand. That was us. We helped Virginia to create a stand-up Virginia, and they're doing the same thing now, county by county. Hey, they flipped every single county in Virginia. Wow. Except one, red. Mm -hmm. So these local counties can protect the businesses, the schools, the people. And most people have no idea the power of the local communities, the local governments. Even townships can do it. Mm -hmm. Like a, a, a township board could say, not here, not in this township. Yeah. And they could keep it out. Had no idea. No. So then the question becomes, okay, so what if then the government, the state cuts off their funding? Well, we have an answer for that. You know what we do? We start cutting out the pork. I'm sorry, but you're not going to have money for your, your park cleanups. Okay. Well, we, the people will go clean up our own parks. Thank you very much. You just start cutting out the pork. And I've talked with so many people in different counties that have completely flipped in Michigan and they don't care. They're like, let the government cut off our funding. We'll be the solution. Right. Let, let it go. Let the port go. It's got to start. It's got to happen that way anyway. 
there's so much excess and pork and, you know, fat, unnecessary spending. It needs to happen. It's almost like they're, they're trying to implement the great reset, right? Yeah. This one world global response through the utilization of a virus. But I keep saying, okay, so they want to implement the great reset. Why don't we hit the reset button? Mm-hmm. Why don't we as conservatives, as Christians, understanding things from a biblical worldview or a bigger picture view, why don't we just stand up and say, no, enough is enough. And we're going to hit the reset button. Yeah. And is that going to be painful? Yeah. Cause we're going to lose some of that funding for things we've gotten used to. But I also think okay. that it would take out those people that are only in it for the money. Yes, right. Yes, because exactly. have people that are in office and they do it for power. Mm-hmm. They do it for power. Absolutely. They're not making all their money off of their annual salary. They're making it off of insider tips and, exactly. and trading. And and what does somebody want? Like we, I talk about the, the globalists and they don't believe in God. Right. They don't, they think they are God. Right. And right. so they're trying to act as God with this climate change um, BS, like, Mm -hmm. oh, the God doesn't have, the God doesn't have it under control. Oh, uh, you know, all of the, the children that are being conceived. Oh, we can't handle that. The earth can't handle it. Right. Oh, really? Okay. So this is the whole thing. And I think it's important for people to understand that they think they are God Mm -hmm. and they have all the money in the world. Well, what does somebody who could buy anything they wanted, what do they want more? Power. Yes, control. And power. Control mm-hmm. and power. And that's where like, we need to understand that we have the power. And, and I'd like to close out the show, Tammy, because, you know, on this journey of meeting the different whistleblowers and the people that are standing out, one commonality that we have is... We were glad to do what we did, right? Yeah, and it was the voice of God yes. that that led us down this path. And it's like for me in March of 2020, when I was sitting at the nurses station and I heard that the planes are being grounded and the whole world is getting bored with this two weeks to slow the spread. That was biblical. That mm-hmm. I knew. I literally looked up to heaven and said. Oh, I'm supposed to pay attention to this part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I did. Yes. And I went through, yeah. you know, two and a half years essentially thinking, oh my God, I'm crazy. Am I crazy? You know, uh, and then he would bring a witness to me or show me a sign and say, nope, you're not crazy. Here's the science. Here's what's real. And, right. and I think people need to understand that we are in a war of good and evil. This is not Absolutely. a war of fresh flesh and blood. Right. That's absolutely 100% true. And I've been saying that from stages I've traveled and spoken. Um, I have been telling people, you have to understand what is actually going on here, because it is not hard to see and feel the evil in a way that's never been before. Like the world that we're living in today is a very different world than what we were born into. And the world that we were born into doesn't exist anymore. And it's never going to, it's a, it's a new day and age. And we have to be able to, first of all, wrap our brains around that. Second of all, get involved and be able to deal with it. And I've been saying from stage for a long time that what we're seeing played out in the physical world around us is a direct response to what's happening in the spirit. This is a spiritual battle. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And they are really working overtime and we can feel it. 
We know it. But you know what? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And that's why he's empowering and calling people like Jody and I. We're in position. We have the experience, the credentials, the knowledge. And so he's telling us, stand up, speak truth. Because if you do, you can stop this. And, you know, think about it. Every war that's ever been fought, every battle, every revolution that's ever been fought has always been with but a few. Yeah. God only needs a few. Read the story of Gideon. Read the story. Uh, I mean, all the different stories in the Bible where God only needs a few. Mm-hmm. And if we will just be obedient, we can stop this. At least we can hold it at bay while we are here. Right. While we are here. Right. And if anybody knows anything on biblical prophecy, um, you know, the, the evil has literally been unleashed. And mm-hmm. what will happen after that is the Holy Spirit that's holding back that evil. You know, that people still have a chance to to get to know Mm -hmm. their Lord, right? To choose faith over fear. Right. And and once that starts, you know, once that starts to um, be removed, it's going to be even harder. You know, I people ask me, well, where is this going? How is and I'm like, you know what? I think what's happening is this is going to happen and it's continuing to happen now through prayer and fasting and people coming together. We, we do have the power to hold it off, but it's biblical prophecy and it's going to happen. But which end, which side are you going to be on? Are you going to be the side that's, you know, coming down on people and being mean? Like what, what's our, our, our voice, our words have power. Mm-hmm. And if we're speaking negative things all the time, that tells you right there what energy you're following. And so it, it's very important that we guard our heart, our mind, and our tongue as we move forward. And I hope that this message really um, allows you guys to to look into that, to look into, you know, your spiritualness and, and see, what am I following? Is the Lord calling on me? Am I not listening? Do I not hear? And, um, and that's the way that we're going to move forward. And I think it's important to end with no matter what rages around us, Jody and I have real peace, internal peace. We have fun. We laugh and goof around and we have fun. And we know what's happening in the world around us. The world's burning and falling apart, but you can have internal peace and joy because we know who we are. We know what, what is happening. The Lord is leading us and using us in this day and age. And there's a peace that comes with that through that relationship that, you know, we're having fun. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail all the time. Right. right. And we are supposed to be the ones leading the world to the truth. And that's what you can have as well. Yes, yes. So join us, guys. (laughs) This is Nurses Out Loud, and we are shining our light in the darkness. It's time in this city.